Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. I'm telling you, Harvest family, man, I've, for the last two weeks, I, we have missed this energy. Um, you guys are like crazy people. I mean, crazy people. I love you crazy people. There is no, there is, there, there's just nothing like what this experience is. Um, you can create energy with music alone. Believe you me, I did enough concerts back in my day um, that were not necessarily spiritual. Some of, some of them may have had a spiritual context to it, but it wasn't this spiritual. Do you understand? What I'm <laughs> it wasn't the light side. Um, but there is the energy, but there's the energy of the Holy Spirit. There's the anointing and the, and the power of God that is here. And, man, I love it when God's people just release praise to Him. Something happens, doesn't it? When, when we praise Him, something, chains begin to break and fall off. Well, so, I, let me hurry. Um, uh, we're, we're, Carla and I are glad to be back, but we had a wonderful, wonderful vacation we celebrated our 36th wedding anniversary while we were gone. And I know what some of y'all think, and I don't, uh, oh, Carla's in here. I was going to say, don't say anything to her to hurt her feelings. I know y'all are thinking, what a blessed woman she must be to have been married to me for 36 years. Um, but uh, no, I'm a blessed man to have had her stick with me for 36 years. But it was a it was a good time. But we're glad to be home, aren't we, hon? We're glad to be home, and um, and until we're going to leave next week for another beach trip. But I'm, you know, <laughs> no, actually, we will be missing next Sunday. We'll be going back for Carla's six month checkup uh, back to Duke. But she has been doing absolutely fantastic, and uh, we're just praising the Lord and. Expect to go and hear the doctor just say, thumbs up, you're, you're just flying. So that's what we're believing. I want to share a message today called Run Free. Run Free. If you'll look with me at Hebrews chapter 12. Um, I want to set, up, set this up so you'll kind of see the direction that we go as I get into this. But the book of Hebrews was written to a, a, to a Jewish church, a Hebrew church, um, that had found themselves, fall, they had chose to follow Jesus. They heard about the Messiah, they believed in the Messiah, they began to follow the Messiah. But it, as they began to do that, their community was very, was very much a Jewish community, and when they began to follow Jesus, they they began to be pushed away by family, friends, work, different things. So they came under some pretty, pretty serious uh, persecution. Now, their persecution and our persecution is two different things. We feel like we've been persecuted when the parking people uh, park us at the end of the parking lot and we have to walk all the way up here. 
Uh, you know, I've been persecuted. I'm not going back to that church. That's persecution. No, it's really not persecution. Um, but we, we, our persecution in theirs is kind of different. They, their families treated them as dead. If they put their faith in Jesus, they were not welcome to Sunday dinner anymore. Their families put them, treated them as if they were dead. Their inheritance was gone. Their time with family was gone. They were treated as if dead. How many of you think that you would be following Jesus if you had to go through that kind of persecution? If you walked into work on, uh, next week, on Monday morning and they said, we found out that you're a follower of Jesus, and followers of Jesus are not welcome in this community, therefore you're fired, and they get rid of you, and then you go home to tell mom and dad about what happened, and mom and dad shut the door and they turn their back to you as if you didn't even exist. That is some pretty serious persecution, isn't it? And that's what these people were dealing with. Now, when you face that kind of persecution, the temptation can be to, okay, let's figure out how to make this thing work in a way that we can follow Jesus, but we can still be accepted by our community. And so what we will do is we will embrace many of the, the rituals and the things of, of our former religion will bring that in we'll go to the temple we'll do the temple worship we'll go to the priest we'll go to the sacrifices we'll go through the circumcision we'll do all the things that they're doing but at the but but while we're doing those things we're also going to put have our faith in jesus and there was a struggle inside of them that what do we do so the writer of hebrews begins to state his case to help them in this so that they don't just walk away from, from the church, that they don't walk away from their faith in Jesus. And so he begins to talk to them, and if you read through the book of Hebrews, you find out that he, he first begins to state his case that Jesus is superior, superior to angels. And Jesus is superior to Moses. And Jesus is superior to uh, Joshua. And Jesus is superior in, in, in every way to the, to the Old Testament priests. And his blood that he shed is superior to the blood of goats and animals. And the new covenant is superior to the old covenant. Are you, are you with me? So he's stating the superiority of Jesus. Now, in their minds, they, they were struggling because they thought if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to let go of all those patriarchs of faith from, from, the, from the Jewish religion of past. Uh, where does David fit into this? Well, David was in the lineage of Jesus, but in their minds, they're struggling with this. Or Jesus in the lineage of David. So in their mind, they can't, they can't, they can't make the connection. So he moves them into chapter 11 of Hebrews, and he begins to tell them of the faith of the patriarchs of their forefathers, that, that uh, faith hall of fame in chapter 11 where it talks about the great men and women and the, he the heroes of faith. And so he begins to talk about that. And then as he states all of that, and he says these people, many of these were looking for the promise, not having received it yet, Many of them looking for the Messiah, looking forward, looking for the Messiah, didn't get to see him yet, but you, you have received him because they were looking back on Jesus coming. Are you, are you tracking with me? And he's saying we're all a part of the same team. 
They were just, they ran their race. And they ran their race to the point that it was time for them to pass on the baton for you to pick up that baton and you begin to run your race. And so he's going to state the case for them that, guys, I want you to run free. I don't want you to run bound. I want you to run free. Have, have you ever tried to run, uh, what, what do they call that when you, when you like tie, you know, you tie two people's legs together here and just, Three-legged race. Have you ever tried to run a three-legged race? Should we try that right now with anybody? <laughs> uh, I was going to, but the insurance won't allow it in case of broken bones. Anyway, it's not easy to do. We need to be able to be free. It's not easy to run a race when you're weighted down with a lot of stuff. So he begins to teach them how to run free, and that's what I want to share with you today. Look at he, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, and the therefore, you know, anytime you see a therefore, you always say, what's it there for? And what he's doing is he's connecting chapter 11 with what he's about ready to say. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Who is the great cloud of witnesses? It's all the people that he talked about in chapter 11. Let us, and it's, it's a sports analogy. Let us throw off everything that hinders any kind of weight and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning, that is to think little of, scorning the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This picture he gives us, there's some things in here, of how we can learn to run free, which is what he wanted the Hebrew people to do. But I, number one, I, and I've got four things. I've got, my, I've got my preaching juice, and I've got four points. Now, if any of you were here when Aaron preached, you understand that Aaron said that if I have four points, that that could be a scary thing. <laughs> I agree with him. It could be a scary thing. So we will be through by 2 o'clock. I like this, uh, I'll, I'll do something with Number one is to run the race that God marked out for you. Run the race that God marked out for you. Now, in, in the passage, he said, let us run with perseverance. What we're going to do is we're going to pull the word with perseverance out of there just for a second because it's describing how we're going to run it. He says, and let us run the race marked out for us. Let us run the race marked out for us. How are we going to do it? Well, we're going to run it with perseverance. We're going to run it lightening the load. But, but what, it's a race marked out for us. Who gets to mark out the race? We're all, the ra this, is a, this is a life. Talking about this race is how we live our life. Who gets to mark out the race? Who does that? See, the mindset in our country is that we each get to just do anything we want to do. We get to choose our own direction. We get to choose our own path. The old song from Saint Frank Sinatra that said, I, I'm not going to sing it, but... I was also tempted there, but I was off key, and I didn't want to finish it up. I did it my way. I did it, and, it's, and it, that song is sung with pride. I did it my way. But here's the problem. Why would we want to live life our way? Why would we want to choose our own path, run our own race, when God has one marked out for us already, and the one he has marked out for us is one that is of hope? It, it, Jeremiah 
and everybody knows this, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you. What about those plans, he says, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not harm you, to give you a hope and a future. That is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Why would I, as a very limited human being, why would I, as a person who is limited in knowledge, limited in wisdom, limited in ability, limited in power, limited in influence, limited in authority, limited by time and space, why would I choose to mark out my own course for life when there is one who has marked out my course for me who loves me, who is not limited in power, who is not limited in wisdom, who is not limited in knowledge, who is not limited by time or space, who can be anywhere at any second and is all places all the time, why would I choose to mark out my own path? I'm going to tell you, after 57 years of living, I've learned, I know myself enough to know that I don't trust me to mark out my path. Anybody with me? I don't trust me to mark out my path. Now, when you're young, when I was a teenager, man, I was the only one I trusted to mark out my path because my dad didn't, didn't know anything, and my mom didn't know anything, and the teachers didn't know anything, and nobody knew anything, but I knew everything. But a little age on you and a, and a few mistakes. Love it when I was young, man, I would be some, so hard on people and then I would make the same mistakes that, that I was hard on them about making, and it'll, it'll make you humble fast. And everybody said amen. amen. <clears throat> now, you know you got to get with me. I'll come down there and amen myself. <laughs> the, race, the path has been marked out, and, and he gets to mark it out. Look at this verse. Uh, uh, Kevin read this verse last week. Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before mama and daddy even had a glimmer in their eye toward each other, you were already in the mind of God. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet for the nations. When does God see life as beginning no matter what anybody says god sees life beginning way before we say we see life beginning are you tracking with me now some would say bud don't go getting political on us and see that's what the world does Anything they don't like that we stand for, they call it political. That way it shames us into shutting our mouth and not talking about anything. Are you with me? God, life is important to God. And the very life of the... How many prophets never came to life in this country because we marked out our own path and we chose just to kill them before they ever come. I know some of you got mad at me right there, but that's okay. I've got scripture. See, I can't. I can choose my own path, or I can say, God, what's your word say? Because I want, I want to follow the path you've marked out. You were in the mind of God before your mama and daddy even came together. 
You were in the heart of it. God called you. He set you apart before you ever even came into this world. See, here's what I'm trying to tell you. You are, you, you are so uniquely created. You are so special. You are such a precious, special person in the heart and mind of God that he saw you from eons past, and he looked down, and he loved you before you ever even were born, before you came into this world. He loved you, and he knew sin was going to be a problem, so he died for you. Even before you were even born, he came, and he paid the price for you. Man, I'm telling you, you, you start to think about that. I'm realizing that, that I, yes, I'm a, I am special to my heavenly daddy, and so are you. That's important to know because God sees you as special no matter what. No matter how you got into this world, no matter what, no matter what brought you here, God sees you as special, and he brought you. And you are his eternal child. Oh, that's beautiful, but i got to keep going. See, here's the problem when we chart out our own course. We can't win. You can't be a winner when you chart out your own course. Rosie Ruiz in 1980 ran in the Boston Marathon. She won the women's division of the Boston Marathon. Only eight days later, it was stripped from her because they realized that she didn't run the race marked out for them. She ran her own race. Now, are, are you tracking with me? There was a race, the Boston Marathon, it was marked out. And if you're going to run that race, here is the mark that you run. But she decided, and they kind of figured it out when she came across after running the marathon, and she wasn't very sweaty and she wasn't very out of breath. And she's like, okay, what am I? Something's going on here. And so they begin to figure out that she didn't run the, mar the race marked out. See, there's a problem. You, you can't be a winner in life when you try to run your own race, but when you realize you're uniquely created, you, you're given special gifts and talents and abilities, personalities, and all of that by God, and when you say yes to Him and you live out that, you live out a special life. And God begins to show you how He can make you a winner in this life and you can begin to run free. Now, I've got to hurry because the next part is really important. Look at number, uh, number two is run light. <clears throat> Did you notice he said to throw off? Throw off some things. Throw off that which hinders. And the word, if you, re if you look at that word, it means weight. It means burden. Throw off the weights. Throw off the burden. That's the Greek word, weights and burdens. Here's what they would do in those days. They would run. They would put weights around their ankles, and they would run. They would practice with that. And then when they would come up and get ready for the actual race, they would take the weights off so that they could run free. They could run light. Does that make sense? He's saying to them, I want you to run free. And to be able to run free, you've got to run light. And that means you need to put off. And then he says, put off that which hinders. I've preached this passage many times. I've heard it preached many times. Some of the times that I have preached this passage, when I'm talking about the weight that he says to put off, I'll go to that which those things that are not necessarily sin, 
but things that can keep us from being able to run our race. But I want us this morning, I want us to stay true with the flow of the book of Hebrews. I want us to stay, stay true to the text on this. And I'm not going to Americanize it. I want to go back to where it is. When he says that he wants them to throw off the weight, who is he talking to? Well, remember we established that in the beginning. He's talking to the Hebrews that are finding themselves weighted down by legalism, weighted down by the law, weighted down by ceremonies and religious ritual. And they can't run their free race because they're still trying to embrace these old ways, bring them into the new place. That's where their mind is at. Now, think about this. When he says, I want you to lay off the weight, what he's trying to say to them is, I want you to put away everything that keeps you, all the weights that keep you from being able to run free freedom that is found in Jesus alone. What are some of those weights? What, what is it that's weighed you down? Well, how many of you know it's a weight when you're trying to, to live your life in such a way that you're trying to please God or, or live in a way that God is, accepts you? Performance-based Christianity. You tracking with me? Am I pushing any buttons or you sleep on me or what we got going on here? I'm not sure. Performance-based Christianity, which says, I have to perform to a certain level for God to love me. I've got to perform to a certain level for God to be accepting of me. And here's the problem with that. And they were running into this. When, when they begin to try to bring in the old law, it's really hard to bring in the Mosaic law, the old law, combine it with faith in Jesus, and actually be able to walk free because that old law became a weight. It weighted them down. And he's saying, let the weight go. Hebrew people, you are set free. Jesus saved you. If you've put your faith and your trust in him, he saved you. Let it go. See, let's bring it into our day. Most of us are not trying to live under the law. But what about those little religious laws that we make up that make us either feel good about ourselves or guilty? I mean, how many times did I go to church? See, some of you would not miss a Sunday, and, and it would be because you would feel guilty if you didn't. Some of you obviously have no problem missing most Sundays. I mean, you know, the once a monthers and once a two month, once a once a every two months, once every three months, and but but here's the thing. Some of those people, some of those people have no problem with guilt because they realize that that has absolutely nothing to do with their salvation. Anybody tracking with me? How often you attend services at Harvest or anywhere else has nothing to do with your salvation. But here's the problem. All of a sudden, let's say you mess up. You just really mess up. And so, 
Here's, how, here's the test. When you mess up, do you just turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I really messed up, but I realize that the blood of Jesus has taken care of all of my sin, and so, Lord, I, I realize I messed up, but I want to thank you for the forgiveness of my sin, and I'm just going to keep on trucking for you. Or do you say, God, I've got to make, I've got to make this up. Now, I realize I royally messed up. Therefore, I'm going to pray twice as much this week as I ever have. I'm going to read an extra chapter in the Bible this week because I I have to make up for how I messed up. And when you do that, that becomes a weight because you can't enjoy the freedom that Jesus has given you. You can't worship him with freedom because you're under the load and the weight of guilt. So suddenly it's not, I've got to make up. Or Lord, you saved me, you forgave me for so much, I'm going to live the rest of my life trying to repay you. If you've ever said that, stop it. Because how many of you know that you cannot repay Jesus for shedding his blood on the cross for you? You can't repay that. How are you going to repay that? I was watching a show on TV once and it was showing these people who were trying to, to pay penance and they would go and they would, some of them would literally let somebody put them on a cross. And some of them would carry heavy burdens on their back. Some of them, they would put nails through their back and in different things. Why do that when Jesus did it for you? Is anybody with me? Why would we want to do that when Jesus already took, he paid it for us? So he says, I want you to let go of the weights, guys, because you can't run free if you're over here trying to walk in faith in Jesus, but now your faith is dependent on how often you do these ceremonial things. They had to, have, they had to do, go through ceremonial washing of hands and all kinds of different things that they did. He said, listen, be free and don't tie those things to your salvation. Now, let me throw this out there really quickly so nobody misunderstands, because some of you are going to say, man, you mean we're free to do anything we want to do? Okay, well, here, let me, let me say this. When Jesus set you free, he set you free. But why would I, I love Carla. Now, if she said, honey, you're free. Free for what? Just to do anything you want to do. Would I just jump up and down and say, hot dog, I've been waiting on that one. And go out and find me about ten more wives? What would that say? That's, well, yes, that'd be, that'd, that'd, that would say that I'd be crazy and would say I'd be miserable. But, but more than that, it would say that, do, is this relationship based on love? Right? If my relationship with Jesus is based on love, then my reaction to life should be a reaction to, to, to love Him and want to please Him. But it's not a matter of living a life of guilt and shame because I am always feel like I'm never able to measure up. It's a matter of embracing His love for me and loving Him back in such a way that I know that He knows I'm going to mess up sometimes, but I know He's got it covered. Is this making sense to anybody? Secondly, he says to throw off what else? He said throw off the sin that so easily entangles. What is the sin that so easily entangles? Now, I've preached that before that all of us have a, 
a sin that that we struggle with more than anything else, but we're going to stay true to the text. He's talking to these people, and and what what are they struggling with? The same thing I think we all struggle with, unbelief. I think the the sin that so easily entangles is unbelief. It's, It's unbelief or doubt, maybe I should say, that Jesus' blood really did take care of everything. Doubt that Jesus' blood really did cover all of my sin, past, present, future. Doubt that he, is, that he is enough. See, they were struggling with the doubts that Jesus is enough. And so to make sure that just in case Jesus is not enough, let me add to Jesus all these other rituals and all these other things to make sure that I've got it all together. The besetting sin, I believe, is the doubt The entangling sin is the doubt that all of us deal with from time to time. Did Jesus really forgive me? Does he really love me? Are my sins really forgiven? Is he mad at me? Is there a curse on my life? Does he hate me? Has he left me? All of those are doubts. And the answer is in Jesus and in Scripture. And he says, Jesus will never leave me or forsake me. So when I'm doubting, What do I have to go back to? Not my feelings. Because my feelings just infuriate and fill fill up the doubt. I go back to the Word of God, and when I am feeling like, God, you've left me, you're nowhere around, I feel so empty and lonely, I stand on the Word of God that says He will never leave me or forsake me. I know He is there. And so my faith walk is what takes over. The unbelief will keep you from being able to run free. The more you begin to establish that Jesus took your and my sin upon himself. On the cross, he died for us. And then he turned around and he gave us his righteousness. The righteous one who had never sinned. The sinner who could never be righteous. And suddenly Jesus says, I know you could never be righteous, so I'm going to do for you what you could not do for yourself. And he takes his righteousness, the one who had never sinned, took took our sin upon the cross, and then he came down off of there and he gave us his righteousness. That's a beautiful trade-off, guys. And when that begins to sink in, and when that begin, we begin to run light, because now my focus every day is not on trying to not sin and it's not being guilty of sin and shame all those weights keep us from running now i can get up tomorrow and i can say the sin problem is not an issue anymore jesus took care of that it's not an issue anymore today i can focus on walking in him today i can focus on what he has given me i can focus on the inheritance that i have i can focus on gaining wisdom and knowledge and reaching other people with the gospel of jesus christ my focus doesn't have to be on sin do you see how freeing and liberating that is he says run with endurance gonna be some tough times but don't quit you with me He tells them, run with endurance. There's going to be some difficult times, and we've all faced it this Christian life. As a matter of fact, the word race right here, if you look up the Greek word of that, it's where we get our our word agony. 
The very word that he says here is race is the word that we get our word agony. He's saying this is going to be an agonizing thing sometimes, but it's okay because Jesus has done something for you that you cannot do for yourself, that the priest can't do, that the bull can't do, the heifer, the goat, the animals cannot do, the blood sacrifice of animals can't. Jesus has done something bigger than that for you. No, oh, I'm going to have to come down there. I'm going to have to come down there because I would have been on my feet right there pointing at the preacher saying, you preach it, bud. That's a preacher right there. But, and then he says, and I'm going to close with this. I love this. Fix your eyes on who? Run with, run focused on Jesus. Fix your eyes. Listen to this. That Greek word right there, I love this. It means to look away from all else. That word fix. To look away from all else. Are you with me? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter. He says look away from all else and just look to Jesus. So I'm telling you, you can't do this. You can't do this if you're trying to look at Jesus and then you're trying to look at the law and you're trying to look at Jesus and you're trying to look at this and you're trying to look at Jesus and you've you got to focus on Him because all these other things, all the guilt, all the shame, all the weights, everything, if it can get into your view, it can rob your attention. You with me? It'll take that attention. And so we focus on, here's the cool thing though, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we look away from everything else, suddenly everything else becomes clearer. Look at me. Suddenly everything else... You say, but bud, I've got to look at a lot of things. I've got to look at my kids. I've got to look at my grandkids. I've got to look at my wife. I've got a lot of things I have to give attention to. Yeah, but here's what I want you to know. When you look to Jesus, moving everything else out of the way, everything else becomes clearer. How to love my wife becomes clearer. See, when I look to Jesus, I understand that, that I am the Jesus in my family. Jesus, the husband represents Jesus. The wife represents the church. I'm the Jesus in my family. I can't see that unless I'm looking to him. Unless he's my gaze. If I'm listening to everything the world has to offer, man, I can find every way under the sun to not treat her correctly. To not treat her with love. You tracking with me? Fix your eyes on him. Florence Chadwick. Decided she was going to swim from the Catalina coastline to, or from Catalina Island to the state coastline, California. And it's 26 miles. It's a long swim. Somebody said it's a long swim. Yeah, it's a long swim. And so, but she, she, she trained and was ready to do it. And so they got her out and had a couple boats, you know, beside of her to make sure that the sharks stayed away. And, and, and if she needed help, they would get her. And so she began to swim. Fifteen hours into that swim, um, she, she began to doubt. Her body was aching. And if any of you run, any marathon runners, you know, you, you know that you, you hit a wall. 
and you got to break through the wall to keep going. A lot of people quit at the wall. But if you break through that wall and keep going, well, she hit a wall swimming. In her mind, she doubted that she could make it. Fog began to set in, and she was unable to see the shore. And that messed with her head because she couldn't see. She couldn't see the goal. She couldn't see what she was focusing on. And so because she was unable to see what she needed to fix her eyes on, she began to get discouraged and weak. And she said, pull me out. And she got out of the water. Only to look and realize that she was one mile. One mile from the shore. She swam 25 miles. But because she couldn't see what she was trying to focus on, the pain, her body screaming at her, her mind screaming at her, the doubts, it all won out. So I'm going to tell you, this life has, has, there's so many blessings to offer, but there's some tough times. But if you've got your eyes fixed on Jesus, now, see, the second, she did it a second time, Randy, and she made it. She did it a second time and she made it because she learned some things that she didn't know the first time. And what she learned was this. The focus has to be, I have to see in my mind what I may not be able to see with my physical eyes. See, we can see a lot of turmoil, a lot of heartache. We can see a lot of difficulties, we can see financial problems. We can see all kinds of things around us with our physical eyes. But it's in those moments that we have to have our eyes fixed on Jesus where we see him. It's a spiritual thing. You can't see anything. You've got to see him. And when you see him, you can get through. Jesus said, it said, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross, despising the shame. When you can see past the cross and know the blessing on the other side. Some of you need to see that this morning. You want to run free? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing. You want to run free? We're going to take a moment to let go of the shame. But I messed up. You don't know how bad I messed up. But here's what I know. Put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and it's gone. But I feel so guilty. Why do you feel guilty? But I, because I messed up? Yes, but let me ask you. What's your state of mind right now? Would you be feeling guilty if you didn't wish you hadn't done it? Guilt comes really... When you think, oh man, I wish I hadn't done that. Where does that come from? The Holy Spirit's at work in your life. But God's not in my life. Why do you think you feel guilty in yourself? You would have never felt guilty for that. The reason you do is because there's something in your heart that says, I love Jesus. And I'm afraid I disappointed him. So now we come to the point to say, have I disappointed him? Jesus took the disappointment on the cross. He took the shame on the cross. He took the guilt on the cross. He took the curse of sin on the cross. And when you put your faith in him, you find that you've been set free. He is the pioneer and the perfecter. He is the beginning and the end. Everything you need is found in Jesus. Will you today let go of everything you've been holding on to so you can run free? Will you run free today? Will you put your faith in Jesus today? 
everything, not part of it, not a little bit, and say, the course has been set for me, and he said it, and that's the one I'm going to go. Bow your heads with me for a moment. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have never put your faith in him, if you found yourself as these Hebrews struggling to say, I'm just not sure that Jesus really fully did it, well, he did, and if you want to run free, you put your faith in him. I want everybody to pray this with me out loud. Some of you, many of you, most of you are born again already. But would you pray this out loud with me for that person who would like to pray it right now who has never trusted Jesus as their Savior? Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. You died to save sinners. You rose again. Today I put my faith in you. I believe you to wash my sin away. I believe you to come into my life. I believe you to save me. From this moment on, I'm a child of God. Forgiven, clean, accepted in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope, I hope many of you prayed that prayer today and trusted Jesus as your Savior. We got some stuff to help you. Let's stand and sing before we leave. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.